Welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in Westminster as once again we put leadership under the spotlight. I'm Scott Challoner and today I'm joined by Adam Franklin of BSL Information Technology, a growing value ad reseller based in Northamptonshire, whose mission statement is to be a trusted partner to assist with any IT procurement or advisory needs. Adam, welcome. Great to have you with us. Thanks. Good to be here, Scott. Right. Fantastic. Now, one topical issue of the day that has really put the topic of leadership under the microscope is the coronavirus outbreak. And we've seen some contrasting approaches from political leaders. So we have Giuseppe Conti in Italy, for example, who has put the whole country on lockdown. Uh, We have Boris Johnson here in the UK where we're taking a less hands-on approach. The money's there and the procedures are in place, but we are in many ways just waiting to see what happens. So Taking this away from politics, which approach do you generally prefer when dealing with difficulties as a leader yourself? Do you prefer to dive straight in and get on top of things, or do you tend to let things play out a bit and just see how they develop before taking action? Yeah, I think it's um, it's a kind of tale of two sides of the sword. Um, depending on the situation, I mean, it sounds like I'm speaking like a true politician, um, but I suppose it depends um, on the situation itself, whether it needs action straight away or whether you you need to let other people who are just below you um, to deal with the situation to begin with. Then there's accountability to, to one party. But um, yeah, particularly in a business-to-business, day-to-day sort of role, like, I'm more of a proactive, jump on top of it straight away and, and try and get it sorted kind of person. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good quality to have as a leader, being proactive rather than reactive, as it were, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. And um with regards to um, your business, would you say that you sort of take that very proactive role, leading by example, as it were, rather than just sort of waiting and letting things happen? Is that sort of what you would say happens day to day? Yeah, 100%. And that's how um, it's myself and two of the directors here. We all take the same stance on that. We're kind of on the front line with everybody from from sales guys to purchase and admin, even down to the cleaners. We're, we're definitely on the front line with everybody and we're, we're very proactive in, as a management team. Yeah, so with that proactivity being an integral part of the management team especially, um, is that sort of quality what you look for in recruitment as well, um, whether it be any member of staff coming into the business? Yeah, 100%. We've, we've, um, we've actually been in a bit of a recruitment drive over the last few months and, and learned some, some quick lessons around it, one of which is being uh, the culture and the people that you're bringing in. Um, to, to kind of take a, a straight analogy to somebody who's a, who's a big leader in, in the world at the moment, uh, Jurgen Klopp from Liverpool recently recently said that he looks for people rather than the, the ability and the quality of the footballer himself. He looks for the person, how they'll fit into the culture of the club, how they'll do on the training field. And, and we've kind of taken taken that massively into our recruitment. So um, it's, it's not sort of if your face fits, you'll do well, but it's if your characteristics fit rather than your sort of talent for the role itself. Yeah, so you mentioned Jurgen Klopp there. Would you say that his leadership style has rubbed off on you in that sense? Yeah, definitely. I'm a big football fan. I suppose um, the success that himself and um, people like Pep Guardiola have had over recent times um, and previously Jose Mourinho, but I think he's kind of gone a bit wayward on his on his personal management and, and how he how he is with um, with people, people to people. Um, but yeah, I think Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, watching them online, watching the Amazon documentary, listening to their interviews around recruitment, around transfers and around how they deal with people um, has definitely, definitely moulded my management skills over the last year or so. Definitely. And um, with regards to that culture that you mentioned that these examples of good leaders in the sports world create, would you say that's um, also really important in the role of a leader to create a culture which will allow um, anybody to sort of thrive and really get the best out of themselves? 100%. Yeah, I think that goes through positive and negative as well, you know, most leaders, if not every leader, have made mistakes and will make mistakes in their time. And I'm sure people like Jürgen Klopp and 
Pep Guardiola, they're still making mistakes now. Otherwise, they'd have completely unbeaten records. Um, but even even day to day, I suppose they do make mistakes. Absolutely, and and yeah, we just we want to just make sure we're leading by example, and everyone that's beneath us, if you will, um, just just follows that culture as well. Just it's more the morals and the ethics of the company um, that we want to get across. Definitely. And um, with regards to um, your own experience, um, do you have any advice for people in leadership positions themselves who may be facing such difficulties? Yeah, absolutely. I've only been um, an entrepreneur and a director for just over three years. To begin with, I I found myself speaking quite a lot, trying to not dictate as such, but just speak through my voice and my actions and telling people what to do, where to go and how to look. Whereas I think recently, over the last, as I say, 12 months again, I've realised that it's much more important to listen. Um, I mean, one thing that I read recently online, I think it was um, the late Kobe Bryant that said it was, nobody's ever learned anything by listening to themselves. You can't educate yourself from stuff that you already know. So stop, listen, you never know where the next education is going to come from, whether it's a trainee, somebody outside your company, somebody inside that you are leading or managing. Um, you're not, going to, you're not going to learn anything new by just listening to yourself speak. So just have bigger ears and a bigger mouth, I think. Absolutely. And being a good leader is about being more than just one man. It's a, it's a team effort, isn't it? It's that ability to listen and learn from other people, um, as well as um, just having that desire to sort of direct yourself, isn't it? 100%. I think it's such a cliche, but giving people the tools to succeed rather than doing it for them, you know, it's, it's much it's easier if you've got a, a, a kid at home um, with maths homework, it's much easier to just answer the 10 questions for them and get them a 10 out of 10 at school and a pat on the back. Um, but in the long term, it's going to be beneficial for them if you teach them how to do that, so, um, get the scores themselves. And even if it starts off with a, a 6 out of 10, when they do end up getting that 10, it's, it's a lot more important to them. Exactly. It's perseverance, isn't it? Which I think is another key quality um, within a leader and um, within anybody within a business. That's uh, right, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And I suppose, again, you do make mistakes and if you persevere along the wrong road at one point, you've got to realise when, when you're wrong and, and kind of tell, tell everybody else, look, I made a mistake there, let's veer off this road and try a new one. Um, but yeah, as long as you get everybody else on the side and, and you can kind of be strong and persevere and, and really attack whatever route you have gone down, you, you're most of the time going to be successful. Definitely. So um, in a nutshell, what do you think um, the word leadership really means to you then, Adam? Um, I suppose leadership for myself, um, I definitely want to be someone that, that people look up to. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily aspire to become because I think I like having individuals, particularly in my team, but that works in the in the wider world as well. I think I think everyone's beautiful in their own right and we're all, all of our unique characteristics are what make us brilliant. So I don't want anybody to aspire to be like me as a person, but with regards to drive, hunger, morals, ethics, I think that's what a leader needs to put across um, and just make people become the best of whatever they are. Um, as I say, it doesn't have to be exactly the same as me, but whatever they are, if I can make people the best of that, the, the most 100% version of that, then then I feel like I'll succeed at the end of the day. Absolutely. And you mentioned, like, say, uh, the likes of Jorgen Klopp, uh, Klopp, Pep Guardiola already. Um, are there any other leadership figures who you would say have maybe inspired you over the years as well? Yeah, definitely. I mentioned a little comment from, from Kobe Bryant recently, mm. and again, it's going to sound a little bit cliche because he has recently passed away, so it's going to sound like the sort of thing that I want people to think I've been sensitive to that situation. But obviously, it was it was due to his late passing that I went online, looked at some interviews, watched some documentaries about him, because I knew a lot about him, his scoring um, records and how, how he was as a basketball player, but not a lot as a man, not a lot as a leader. And he was literally an unbelievable leader, uh, quite quite harsh in his tactics, lived a lot in solitude and 
lived quite a lonely life as a leader because he was very much of the case of I'm not here to make friends, I'm here to make people successful. Um, but yeah, he's, he's really, really rubbed off on me recently. Yes, um, absolutely. And often I think um, it's the case that somebody isn't really appreciated for all of their qualities until they have passed away. And you're looking back on it retrospectively. Kobe Bryant is a fantastic example, um, but there are plenty as well in the uh, the sporting world, um, exactly the same. Um, in terms of greatest leaders, living or dead, um, that have inspired you, um, are there any names that really uh, sort of pop into uh, into mind, Adam? Um, I suppose it's going to sound like a broken record because I'm such a big football fan. Um, so Alex Ferguson is, is just a massive one. I've watched a lot of documentaries of his. Um, he does lectures at quite a lot of universities and colleges and says that the greatest word in his vocabulary that he's ever had was good. So mm. if he just, just gave, gave Dwight York a pat on the back, you've done good, boy. You've done good, son. It's just good, good, good. Just letting people know when they've done well. Um, such a simple tactic. But you know, I'd say he was a, he's a massive, massive version of what I think a leader should be. Absolutely. And that example you've given just there, I think, is um, an example of man-to-man management, isn't it? Knowing how to manage certain individuals, getting the best out of them, knowing when one needs sort of a harsher word in their ear, knowing when one needs a pat on the back. That's also really important in any leadership capacity, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. And to be that diverse, I think that's one thing, especially as a, as a sort of young lead now that I haven't got in my arsenal right now. Um, my management skill is very much one track at the moment. So I'm, I'm, I know how I'm managing, but it is very much one track. So if somebody came in, that wasn't in that sort of field or what didn't need that style of management, it may, may mean I need to go back and learn something new. Um, whereas, yeah, I think the great leaders have that diversity and that ability to, to change up their management style to maybe give, give put an arm around the shoulder with some people but push others away and, and give them the anger and drive to go and, go and succeed. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm conscious of running out of time here, Adam, but before, of course, um, I uh, do leave you, um, give me an idea of what you imagine the next year is going to hold for BSL IT and what you hope to achieve in that time as well. Yeah, so we've, um, we've gone on a massive recruitment drive recently uh, looking for sales account managers, um, technical directors, technical account managers. And uh, we, are, we are very much a box shift in IT reseller at the moment. So we move a lot of uh, tins that they call it in the industry. So yeah laptops, desktops, that sort of thing. But we're moving very much into the managed service provider field. So we'll be looking after support contracts, service desk, software. Um, but yeah, over the next year, all we want to do is kind of grow organically, get the right people, get the right bums on seats, um, grow the office to double the amount of people that it is at the moment um, and just keep growing that client portfolio of people that are clearly happy, loyal and, and fairly impressed with us at the moment. Yeah, it sounds absolutely fantastic. And um, we do wish you um, all the best in those endeavours um, as well, Adam. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the programme. And we really would love as well to maybe get you back on in a few months just to see how uh, things have panned out. So uh, thanks very much um, for uh, being here today. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks, Scott. Really appreciate your time. Take care. No worries at all, Adam. And now it's time for our exclusive interview with uh, Sir Jeff Hurst. And he speaks to Jonathan White. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me who realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. 
many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, <laughs> I guess, had one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and a manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, of that calibre, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the colour of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. What a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the value and quality of leadership. 
and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely, and um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially thing I say about Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you it can have a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life but yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years he it was quite clear who was the boss he was quite very very strict probably at a time at maybe overly strict but at times you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now but he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group part of a team it is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life they're all singing off the same hymn for you and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of a group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing. In, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green so mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, 
whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think Mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Um, Not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out, out. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again the leadership that I'll show you, you got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, "Oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch." So that—I've uh, had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time? I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a. a at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, 
when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we... That you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh that If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you were a young man when this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps... Uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke, and of course in, uh, England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch, is people must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact. The younger players coming in into the team latterly, um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think. Some of the outstanding. I think the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals, or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, 
and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they uh, Ron Greenwood. Yeah, well, the, the answer, is straightforward answer is yes. Um, good they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, so many, yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I'm going back on an earlier earlier question for me: the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the, um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't I'm... when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude (laughs) alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, Jeff, uh, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mindedness, single mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, 
you may, you know, have a, wait, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, or other guests of any other person therein associated.